Osio and Hawaii, Candice Birdowado. My name is Candice, and I am your your one of your co-hosts for Real Indigenous. And up here, I've got my sister, and she's gonna co-host with me for a little while as we wait for Tully. Angie, you want to introduce yourself? Uvanga Angela, I am Inupiak, and member of the Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. This evening, we are tuning in to talk about some of the things that uh, we felt from Reservation Dogs in the episode called Come and Get Your Love. We are really excited. I'm super excited to have another femme person to discuss with me here the amazing importance of bringing Dear Lady to the screen, introducing this amazing being to- And and she's like the origin story of one of the you know main characters, so- Yes. And for those of you who don't know, um, and Angie, you jump in here too. Dear Lady, I grew up with stories of Dear Lady. Dear Lady was, so basketball is very important in, in Oklahoma native communities, I feel like, because sports are very important. Well, I was usually one of the kids who wasn't really watching the ball games. I was, I would be out finding another circle of kids and we would wind up telling each other scary stories about how this gym was haunted and why it was haunted. It was built over a berry ground, you know, and actually as when I grew up, I found that some of that was true actually. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, like Sequoia high school, like that used to be the Sequoia training school for, um, it used to be the orphan asylum and really? you know, yeah, like they're, you know, because it, it was a boarding school, you know, it was an asylum. It was a school for, at the time, they were called, it was called the deaf, dumb, and the insane. And um, it was a civil war. It was a place for orphans after the civil war. So we know that there are burial grounds out there. And, you know, so those stories are based in truth. And Dear Lady was one of the many stories that I, you know, was told you know, with a bunch of spooky native kids just trying to scare each other and, you know, who were kind of not really into the game, but we were into the community. And uh, I've also tried to tell this story sometimes whenever I'm out doing my storytelling, because I feel like it's her story is very important. And uh, I remember I told another female storyteller, I told her, you know, I said, you know, when I tell the story of Dear Lady, it's hard for me to tell it because I don't think she's scary. She's not scary to me. And she looks at me. She's like, well, we're women. She doesn't scare us. <laughs> she's after men. She's after the little boys. And but what was interesting was that I had always grown up with Dear Lady always being told that she lures young men away from the dances, you know, that go on at night, you know, at a powwow or usually around a stomp dance most often a stomp dance she lures them away and it's not till they're away from the circle that she tramples them to death or the boys they disappear and they're never heard from again and uh you don't know until the next morning and you see the deer tracks leading away and then you know that dear lady's been dancing with you you know i've had cousins and friends just say oh i saw her the other night i saw dear lady i saw her because they always say she's a beautiful she's got a beautiful face of a woman she's gorgeous uh but my friend who's uh, my other female storyteller friend was saying that part of her story is actually sometimes it's one of abuse they say that she does that to wreak her vengeance to have her vengeance against men who treat women poorly who abuse them who assault them and that that's her way of keeping peace it's a way of restoring justice it's a it is a way of vengeance as well and so I loved seeing her brought to screen but what are your stories what what'd you grow up with what'd you hear 
I grew up so much out of community. I had never heard of this until a few years ago. Mm. And then it was, gosh, I can't remember if it was during some short film that we were talking about scary stories and she came up and, and then I started searching online and ran across some horror film and I, oh, it was Dear Woman. I mean, it wasn't even native made. I can't even remember who made it. Oh, I got to find that now. But yeah, I think that that feature film was all about revenge. Masters of Horror. Masters of Horror. Yeah, it's actually a TV series. Mm -hmm. And John Landis directed Dear Woman in 2005. Wow, I didn't even, well, I thought I had the vague impression there had been a movie that had been made, but I, you know, didn't know where it was available. Hey, Tully, you want to introduce yourself real quick? <laughs> All right, Tully Choctaw Nation, yeah. how are you doing? Well, we are into the Dear Lady discussion. I was telling Angie about how I grew up with stories of Dear Lady, you know, at a, usually at a community basketball game. And one of the many stories I heard was Dear Lady, Dear Woman. Had a cousin joke with me the other uh, one time at a dance. Uh, my mom said something about dear lady, and my cousin said, "Shh, don't be telling people my name." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "She's like, don't be telling people, don't be telling people my real name." And so you're saying, like uh, Angela, your tribe was a uh, more of an oceanic kind of protector, I guess. Is that what it was? Yeah, she was thrown overboard by her father and when she tried to crawl back into the boat there's there's a lot more about some guy she was supposed to marry and da, 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 da. but when she tried to crawl back in the boat her father cut her fingers off and each of the parts of the hand became different marine animals did she also become a mermaid because i think i've heard one version of the story where she becomes like a mermaid there right? there are iterations of her with a tail okay since she's kind of the mother of all oceanic critters. But it's pretty tragic. Our stories are pretty rough. <laughs> well, that, that's something to talk about too, is like, um, so like, I, I know like there was a guy who went around, like, uh, what do you call those people who do interviews about your culture? Uh, anthropologists who went around our tribe and like did some interview questions. And like a large percentage of them were like about go, quote unquote ghost stories. And I don't know what that says, but it's this fear kind of thing that happens throughout throughout these stories. And, and, and maybe they're just kind of like teaching tales at that, if anything, you know, we call it a dear lady when we were kids. So for me, it's real. It's not, I mean, like, I don't, I don't believe it to be like a myth or anything. Do you guys, where are, where do you stand on, on like whether, where oh, these I, stories are? Oh, I have I have my cousins tell me that they saw a dear lady at a dance. You know, they said, oh, yeah, she was there. We saw her. She was there. I like believe them that I know something's out there and I don't know what it is. So I'm like, yeah, maybe it yeah. is. Dear lady. Yeah. We we have our women's group that we're learning how to do beadwork. And one night around Halloween got off on that topic of these kinds of stories. And I mean, 100 percent, we all believed in the little people. Mm. Mm -hmm. and in Bigfoot and mm -hmm. you know for some reason dear woman didn't or dear lady didn't come up in that conversation but I think I will bring it up next time we get together yeah because the funny thing was like uh that weekend we were at a powwow before this episode aired so this is one of the episodes I saw in real time and when I was at the powwow I was like on the, on the campgrounds and I was just bringing up like ghost stuff and and everybody's like Shh, don't be saying nothing don't be saying nothing. we'll talk about it later but don't say nothing now 
And so I said, oh, okay. I said, oh, shoot. I, I, said, I know what that means, you know, because I know that means that, you know, we don't want to conjure up the, the spirits or anything like that, but the, you know, all those kind of things. And so I was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And so then, like, the next night we were having dinner. I was having dinner with them. And so it was about, like, five or six o'clock. And we were sitting there talking and we were chatting back and forth. And they was like, yeah, 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 because there's people see ghosts and stuff down there. So you don't want to, like, say nothing about it. And sometimes when you're driving back from the campgrounds, if you'll see somebody like standing on the road trying to get a hitchhike and you're not supposed to pick them up. Yeah, don't pick them up. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and actually, you know, there's a story where while they were doing the powwow, a dear lady came into the powwow and somebody saw saw her feet like dancing and they all freaked out. And there's like these bleachers, like really high bleachers, probably about 12 foot bleachers maybe. And they said she jumped over the bleachers and ran off into the woods. And so we're just like, dang, we started talking about deer, deer, deer lady stories. Then we turned the show on. And that first shot where you see the deer hooves get out of that car or get into the car, we was like, oh, shit, we conjured her, I don't know. You conjured her, you brought her. And they live like in Broken Arrow, which is about like maybe like a 20-minute drive from where they are to where I am. I said, I better get home. I'm too scared now. <laughs> That's what I love about some of our, we call them skilly stories, booger booger the boogeyman stories or stranger stories because we wind up telling stories until we get until we scare ourselves then we stop <laughs> and yeah that's the thing too like you know like we, i think everybody has like knows people who've seen deer woman or, or things like that like even my cousin would tell us like when she was working at a restaurant she dropped a spoon at somebody's table when she went to pick it up she saw that there were like deer feet on this woman yeah. and they were like they like she was like oh shit she freaked out she's like she's like all right I gotta go home uh, I'm, a, I'm I don't feel too good and she's like she just booked on out there she said and so you know you never know it could be bullshit but I, I don't I, I would never like like I said I always grew up with it being a real thing always yeah, and why, why take the chance why take the chance that it's not real <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> let's just cover all our bases and just acknowledge <laughs> it and be like okay we're gonna be chill about it and you know that book by uh, I think it's Stephen Cram Jones only the good Indians the only the only good Indians the only good Indians oh my gosh I love that book yes well I won't give anything away in case you haven't read it or in case our audience hasn't read it but I did read I, w- I was curious because I was like oh oh this this spirit like this I thought oh I didn't know that they had dear lady stories or similar stories up north but what I think I read is that Stephen Graham Jones was inspired by Dear Lady from down here. And then he adapted her to be like Northern. Northern yeah. Very, I mean, it's very adapted for that area and it's creepy. Oh, creepy as all heck. Creepy. It was creepy. I was like, <laughs> oh, I know. I was just like, I got to finish this quickly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> violent, which is. Which is, I think, isn't this the first episode, like, where we kind of see, like, some really gritty kind of violence like this? Like, there's already drug references, right? you know, that we can see. And, um, yeah, this was blood. I mean, there was, there, there was like, blood. Was blood. I got to ask, what's yeah. up with the fish? With we the still, fish? We still, that's not ever been, up to this point, we still don't know why those fish were in the field, right? We still don't know why. No, it's still just one of those. Because they start out looking at it. And cheese is like, maybe you imagined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as this episode goes, like we haven't discovered the root of why he just talked. Like, I like how um, big just ta- describes it as part of his like 
just part of the everyday, you know, tribal marshal, light horse, police force. Like, it's just part of the job, you know, dealing with the supernatural. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think his um, interaction as a child really affects the way he interacts with his community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is Pig's story, of course, this time. Mm-hmm. And and as we talked before, like it seems like every, every episode is about an individual story. Most mm-hmm. times it's like a guest person's story. Mm-hmm. And so like my assumption is like, so Pig, the reason he became a cop was so that, because that's a, a symbol of good, right? Mm-hmm. Being a good cop. And then, but then he's also like in this element of supernatural uh, or, or whatever you want to call it, of trying to figure out the thing beyond what is like within the physical world and or, or however you want to say it so he has that extra thing to him and so in a way almost like he's almost he's almost kind of like a medicine person in a way right in that he I mean we don't see him actually do medicine things but he is finding the things that are deeper than just the, the physical point and it's one of those things like and that too like you know like those kind of things some of us have family members who have to be called for to go check on these things that are like people think they see witches or things like that and so that was like a one thing that happened you know when I was a kid with my parents and they had to go like and what happened with was this lady was she was an elder and you know she was seeing things and she wasn't taking her medicine and so but you know we were like but she was saying that she saw a witch in her closet you know I was a kid and I was like all scared and stuff and so my dad had to go look through to make sure because you know because it could be, you know, he was like, so he was like, in his worldview of way things work, like, it could be. So he had to go check. He said, but look, see, there's nothing there. There's no one here. It's, you know, you just got to make sure you take your medicine. And we saw that she wasn't taking her medicine. And so, you know, those kind of things can happen. And so if not, that's what pig is. Maybe that's what pig kind of sees him itself as too, you know? Yeah, because then it ties into the copper figures. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Like, yeah, we have this we have these running parallel lines of like medicine, you know, medicine people. And like you said, and then you got West Studi's character <laughs> mm-hmm. who was so brilliant. Oh my Always. God. He needs more comedic roles. Cause yeah, he's a wonderful dramatic actor, but I love it when he's working his comedic chops. He was hilarious. And um, I love what he's saying about the copper stuff, because in a way he reminded me of my dad because he's, yeah, you got to wear this copper because it's antibacterial and antimicrobial. And, you know, you don't want to mess with the with the drugs. So little man here, he can have a future, you know, we got to what's the you know, what's to become of our community and our place. And our first introduction to Wes's character, I, I was I was cracking up when he's like <laughs> asleep on the bench <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, you know, big asks him if he wants to like something to eat or something he's like no i just got through eating a croissant I know. <laughs> <laughs> au, au revoir like they are germany <laughs> yeah. I love, of course his book about you see a book on string theory <laughs> and there it shows back up. later on we see it yeah yeah, and you know, that was the first time, even though the second time I've watched this episode, that's the first time I caught it. Then I started to wonder, was that really his book? Did someone actually steal his book? I thought he was, I don't know why I missed it the first time, but I caught it the second time. <laughs> that that strange dude from the junkyard, scrapyard, had his book. 
I mean, once again, a big shout out to art department mm-hmm. for this episode because the map in the bathroom is 1982 at the beginning. And then, you know, having to build all those crazy figures and the hat or the crown and like on the marquee. Did you guys see the movies on the marquee? Yeah, I actually took note of that. Yeah. So it was Fuckery, Barking Water, Drunk Town's Finest, mm-hmm. Your Name is in English. And so Buckery is Black Horses movie who directed an episode. Bargain Water Sterling's, mm. Drunk Towns is Sydney's, and and Your Name is in English and uh, Tazba Chavez who directed the show also. So they're all like directors of the episode. So I thought that was cool. And then go ahead, go ahead, because I had a question about the Monty Hellman Warren Oates. I think Warren Oates is an executive producer of the show. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And then Monty Hellman produced uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yes. So maybe that's the Yeah, connection. that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. It's it's some tie-in like that. But I thought that was su- super cool. A nice little touch. Nice little chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if Black Horse... I mean, he directed this episode, right? Uh, was it Black Horse? Yeah, I think so. Because I was going to ask Jason what it was like to work with them. Because he lives in Santa Fe or Albuquerque, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they worked together. He's talked about it before in the last episode that he directed. Yeah, this one was uh, Black Horse. Talked about how a lot of Black Horse's themes are like uh, weed comedies. We got a little bit of that because we got a cameo of McGeezy Pinsano. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you want some? And he's like, no, I'm a federal agent. He's like, dude, it's legal now. <laughs> he's like, not federally. <laughs> no when he picks him up when he picks big up to cut the oh that was great that was beautiful beautiful work but we got we got to see a little bit of though i think we we've seen a flash of it before but we get to i feel like um we're gonna get to see a more of the town too in a future driving episode but this is like one of the the driving episodes where i feel like we get to ride around O'Kern little bit and see a bit of the town and the community and the in the ride along with with lane and with big it's a lot of fun to just to see that community and to see that you see there's a class divide you can see it very clearly between like the the city cops and the tribal cop and you know the cruiser the differences in their cruisers just the way that they just kind of crap on like tribal police which again is interesting to me going back to like this the timing of this which is right about when McGirt was announced. And now, you know, of course we had state compacts in place before, but now that it, it seems like we, you know, a lot of us had to strengthen our, our cross deputizations and all that. In reality, our light horse vehicles are really nice. <laughs> in re- yeah. In reality, like we're not, we don't, yeah. In reality, our stuff is a lot nicer. As here in town, our stuff is a lot nicer than the cities and the states. Yeah. Our stuff is newer. We donate our surplus vehicles to the county and the, the department. <laughs> we're in a good place that way. And we're also yeah. good part community partners that way. <laughs> well, I yeah, didn't realize that Light Horse were established like in the 1880s. Yeah. I mean, that's a legacy. Yeah, they were like the original, kind of like the original uh, law enforcement in Indian Territory, you know? Yeah, dating and, back to the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea until I did a quick search on just the Light McGirt Horse. decision and Light Horse. 
Yeah. Uh, well, well, tell us about it. You know, I don't have the full history of understanding. Oh, I didn't read the article. Read. I just read the headline. Oh, hell. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, Look at all me. I'm ready to learn. <laughs> I know, because I, I was ready to go, man. Because, like, because, um, yeah, I have not, you know, read up on it in a long time. But, yeah, I, I remember they were, like, a, a big part of enforcing law in Indian territory. And I want to think that they were a part of trying to capture, like, these uh, these these uh, uh, outlaws who would come through from like all these uh, like these gangster type people is yeah. how I kind of remember. Yeah, I'm kind of vague on the actual light horse. It's been a minute, but I am because I, I'm currently doing research on Crawford, Crawford Goldsby of Cherokee Bill. Yeah, so light horse, I know they've been around at least for at very least for as long as um, in Cherokee Nation anyway, at least as long as the 1870s maybe earlier because after the civil war Cherokee nation, they recodified their laws, their, um, their law system, Supreme court system. There were appellate court systems as well in Cherokee nation. There was the death penalty. Uh, actually I remember it, it only, the article I had read only talked a little bit about the rest of the five, but I remember reading it was either the Chickasaw or the Choctaw had a firing squad at one time. From what I understand, the light horse were forced that um, that were kind of throughout the five tribes. And yeah, there were, you know, there were these famous outlaws like Bell Star, Henry Star, Cherokee Bill or Crawford Goldsby, Bill Cook, Dalton Gang. They would hide out, you know, in Indian Territory because they were like, well, the law can't get us here, which is what led, I think, a lot of the Indian nations to deputize a formal police force to go and round up these people. And that's kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, that's, it's at least, at the very least in the 1870s is when things are, when the light horse are created. Well, if we're going to go with Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. 1797, the Cherokees created a regulating company to deal with horse theft and other property crimes. Okay. They were a mounted tribal police force empowered mm. to enforce tribal laws. They began oh. to be called light horsemen in the 1820s. Okay, so earlier. Yeah, that's a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that far earlier. back. I didn't either. So that yeah. would have been probably in response to Georgia law, to Georgia like yep. yeah. squatting in Cherokee homes and being like, we own this land and this property. He, They got their name from General Henry Lighthorse Harry Lee, who got the nickname because his cavalry moved so quickly. Cool. That's cool. Well, thank you. I learned I learned some stuff. Thank you, Angie. And yeah, in 1844, they authorized the formation of the Lighthorse Company in Indian Territory and were able to arrest all fugitives from justice in the Cherokee Nation. And they in 1874, the Cherokees built a prison in Tahlequah, yep. the only yep. Indian nation to do so. Yep. It's uh, one of the oldest buildings in the state of Oklahoma that's still standing. Really? Yeah. The oldest is our Supreme Court building, which was built in 1844, I want to say. But yeah, but the the prison is one of the oldest. All standing in downtown Tahlequah. It is now a museum. Come and visit. Is it haunted? It is haunted. Yeah, of course it's haunted. <laughs> There's a gallows in the back, a reproduction gallows, but people definitely were hanged there. They, you know, they were scheduled to hang and they hanged until they died. And then, um, of course, the Supreme Court Museum. Uh, there's going to be another E moment. 
have a coworker who works there. Her name is Elaine. She set up her camera, her video camera one time just to record the top of the stairs. And then she left it, you know, she left and went about her day. And when she looked at it again, she could see shadows going back and forth, which hadn't been there. Nobody had been in all day. It was just her. So she could see like shadows and she heard a thud, which made her be like, okay, I'm not going to record anymore. I, you know, thank you for letting me record. I'm not recording anymore. Go about your business, go about your day. But, you know, she says, I say good morning to them. I say good night to them, you know, wish them well. And then they don't bother me. It's just one of those things you grow up with. Yeah. I think, should I ever encounter dear lady? I'll just be like, cheers to you, madam. Sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for your service. Keep up Mm -hmm. the good work. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. go leave you to your business Mm -hmm. yeah i'd always been told they're they're not they're not gonna bother you not unless you're acting up not unless you're acting up not if you're not yeah if you're acting up straighten up or else they're gonna dance with you yeah (laughs) but this is the time i'm glad we're talking about this now you know during solstice time and winter time because i'd always been told that this is when the snakes go in that's when it's storytelling time so it's perfect time to talk about these things, mm-hmm. these legends, our, our cosmologies. You know, growing up, everybody was scared of deer lady, right? Everybody oh, yeah. was scared of deer woman. And so then what I heard was like Sterling made it made deer woman a woke character now because she only hurts deer, bad men. Whereas in some of the stories that I hear, you know, she doesn't discriminate in some of these stories. And so I don't know, what, what were your thoughts about that? Well, I talked with Angie a little bit about that before you came on, but I'll, I'll okay. recap. And I get asked for that story to be told. I said, but I have such a hard time telling it because I'm not afraid of dear lady. And Tanya, fellow storyteller, looks at me and she says, well, it's because we're women. Dear lady only goes after men. You know why she goes after men? I said, you know what? She, I've never been told why she goes after men. And she said, it's because she was abused. She was human at one time. She was married and her husband abused her. She was given this power to transform. That's why she goes after, that's why she only goes after men, abusive men, or men who do wrong and, you know, or commit violent acts against women, especially. I have been told that before this episode aired that I was told, but I only learned this as an adult. So I know that there must be, there are other versions of Dear Lady who go into, I think, more detail than probably what I heard uh, from other kids. That totally slipped my mind until you just told me that story because the story I heard, yeah, the dude was beating her and she she was given the deer legs so she could run away from him faster to get mm-hmm. away. And so the other thing too is the stories I heard, there's some stories where she would scare people and everything like that. Like I said, like even my women friends were scared of her, you know? But there's stories where a lot of times it's about someone that's trying to mess around with her. Or they're, you know, they're all drunk and trying to get her drunk and mess around with her. And that's when she attacks people. And like, you know, she kicks them in the chest is right here. And, and that's kind of like a, hit them in the heart, right? That's mm-hmm. their heart, breaking their heart, <laughs> just like her heart oh. was broken kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. So it is kind of a, a caution story, right? Because a mm-hmm. lot of our native stories are caution stories or, or like how we should be or how we should act. And so maybe this is a continuation of that kind of, I wish, it was, now after you said that, I wish they kind of went into that backstory of Dear, Dear Lady, you know, maybe in a future episode, they could do that to tell that story because that is an important story because we forget about that. Like I said, I have, I, we talked about it when we were kids, 
And I just totally blanked my mind until you just told that story just now. Well, I'm glad something shook loose because, you know, I, I, I didn't hear that till I was an adult. And all of a sudden it made so much more sense. Oh, there's a reason. There's a reason she's doing this because usually the moral of the story I had been told was don't wander away from your parents, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially at night you're in, you're in some place that you ought not to be, you know, it was usually, you know, just don't wander away from don't, and don't go play out in the dark, you know, and that's mm-hmm. how well, I, I grew up with it. That, that was the little people. Yeah. And there's that too. Yeah. And there's some stories where it's like kids, just like, like when, you, when you're playing out with kids outside in the dark. Yeah. All of a sudden, there'll be like new kids there, and they yeah. will like lure you yes. out to the woods. And yes, stuff like that. yes, yeah, yes. That yeah. one creeps me out. Yeah, that <laughs> one freaks me out too because something like that did happen to my brother. He was out at Dwight Mission. Do you all know where that is? Mm-hmm. No. Dwight Mission was another boarding school. It, it was a mission that's the first one was out in Arkansas. Then after removal, it was moved to Salisaw, the Salisaw area. So very Southern, very Southern Oklahoma and Cherokee Nation anyway. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And there's this huge graveyard right next to it. And my brother, when he was little, well, they used to have camps and conference retreats out there. And my dad was a young tribal council member. He was on council. He was out there for a business retreat. He brought my brother. Well, there's a tether ball out there. And my brother was playing with it and the sun was going down. And uh, he said that somebody else was started serving the ball back to him and he couldn't see, he couldn't see who it was because it was dark. And he thought that dad had come out and played with him. But then when dad called him to get back over to the conference center, he realized that he couldn't see who he was playing with. And he ran back to dad and he was scared. And dad was just like, mm, it's a skilly. Don't play with don't play outside in the dark exactly. <laughs> but that's some and that's a story i like to tell to the kids too <laughs> they love it <laughs> <laughs> but that that my brother he'll he swears up and down, that's how it happened mm-hmm. and i believe him and it's true like i came i was doing research on dwight mission and of course i knew there was a graveyard right next door and then i come across this headline i swear to you black and white clear as day Seven children die in a fire in Dwight Mission who were trapped in this fire. And I'm like, of course it's haunted. Always know mm-hmm. Dwight Mission is haunted. It's very old. Well, and part of me is kind of glad that it's not explained. It's yeah, because she's it's, mysterious. It's one of those that's like, we're telling our stories. We don't owe you an explanation. Mm-hmm. If you want to know, go find out. Go ask your Native friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, see if, and see if they want to spend the time and energy to catch up on it. Don't go watch the Harold Ramis episode of Dear Woman from night. What was it? What did I say? 2005. Although I really want to find that now. <laughs> oh, Harold Ramis was in that one. Harold Ramis directed an episode called, oh, the Dear Woman episode. What was it? Oh, Masters of Horror, John Landis. So I remember seeing that, like, back when you could rent movies. I remember seeing it around. I was gonna, I always said I'd rent it, but I never did. Then when uh, a friend of mine said, no, nah, it sucks, man. Don't watch it. Sorry. It's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I might still watch it just because. I saw it was on Sci-Fi one time. But it's actually a TV. It's a part of a series or something. Yeah, apparently there were, there were at least seven seasons of Masters of Horror. All right. I might have to watch it anyway just because. I know. I wonder if somebody uploaded it on YouTube for funsies. Oh, they have to have, right. Yeah, I think it's a good thing that 
it's not exactly explained. I had some creative friends who expressed like a little bit of envy at like Sterling and uh, his team and Black Horse and all of these wonderful writers like that they're like the first ones to bring Dear Lady to the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really well, it's perfectly like, cast. Yeah, oh. I I feel like they did a really good job because of her dear womanness is fairly subtle, but I've also loved that that's usually supposed to be the most horrifying part about her in the stories is that the reveal that, you know, she's not just a beautiful woman, she's she's got the deer, she's got deer feet, you know. And to show that so prominently, do it in this really cool bad A way is just it's really cool, really well done. Well, and it makes you wonder, you know, Big's grandmother. And yeah. She, she and Big's grandmother were friends. And, and grew so, up together. Well, how did that work? I'm and wondering, too. Yeah. I wonder if maybe his grandma is a relative of some kind, of dear, dear lady, perhaps. Or dear lady came in and helped her out of a bad situation. It's possible. I mean, yeah. we don't know where Big's dad is, do we? No. we. He doesn't say anything about his parents. Just the... Just that he was kind of raised by his grandma. Who sent to get him smokes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Small town, Oklahoma. Yep. But I like too that we, I feel like we're kind of leading up to this at any point of a kind of a theme that's starting to become recurring throughout the series. I've noticed is, is seeing the value in your home community like the way that big encourages him to look into light horse, you know, tribal placement. And Wes's character talks about, you know, like him growing up in this community. And whereas in the past, it's always been, yeah, go to college, get your education. And it's okay to just leave everything behind. And, you know, it's, it's okay. And yeah, that that's okay. I feel like this is the first time that I can remember a native series also saying it's okay to want to live in and invest in your own home community as well. Big is very into his community. He's very much a, a caretaker. The, going back to the medicine, you know, mm-hmm. working in the medicine of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also keep in mind, like, you know, one of the things that's going with the, the main characters of this, of this show is they're trying to get away. They're trying to go to yeah. California because the, this town's killing them kind of thing. That's very bruce springsteen kind of thing that's going on we'll see in the future because yeah like you said it seems like each episode seems about seems to be about different characters and mm-hmm. their own journey and we can see that cheese in his journey with big <laughs> maybe it's okay to look at being into a tribal into being light horse like your job is actually kind of cool the closing is very heartfelt yeah and it right. proves that none of us know the words to come and get your love. <laughs> Except for the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> Is there really words though? Hey now. Hey. Hey, yeah. What's the matter with you? Hey. hey. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, is there really lyrics to the song? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, even Zon doesn't know him, so it's true. And I <laughs> I love that that song has passed into like a classic. Well, yeah, at FAM the other day, they were, you know, they play music at First Americans Museum and it, that came on the other day and like everybody, everybody starts singing dances. Yeah. yeah I love is- like, come and get your love for Indian country is yeah. like Sweet Caroline for non-natives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
what I remember is like that one time Sterling talked. He Sterling said that he doesn't like the song. He does. Like, yeah, he does not like the song. Everybody's like, "What? You don't like the song?" <laughs> and uh, but he said, "Yeah, yeah." But he said he knows that Indian country loves the song, and so he wanted to write a film based around that song. And I think originally it was going to be set in a bar. Mm-hmm. And it was just about these Indians reuniting. And, and so I guess, you know, it's, again, that kind of thing that, that you get to see is like Sterling thing, uh, dreams kind of thing that he gets to finally get to do. He kind of gets to live out his, his goals. You know, that was a few years ago. I don't know if he still hates the song or not. Well, I was there when he on his when he talks about when he did his interview with Mark Marin and he talks about a show that he bombed at because and he sang a version of Jambalaya. Mm-hmm. I was there. I was oh, at yeah. show, me and my sister. We were the only ones yelling for them. I felt so bad for them because you had all these families and the video wasn't working. And they said yeah. that they, they kept saying that they were a video comedy group, but it was at Guthrie Green and the video uh-huh. was not working. So they couldn't show their videos. So, yeah, it was true. Sterling sang Jambalaya a few times <laughs> and the crowd, they didn't they weren't into it. But Julie and I, we tried to be like, yay. <laughs> oh, you're doing so good <laughs> yeah that was a yeah. 1491 show and you know he talks in the same interview how they killed just a few months before and i was at that show they killed just a few months before when they showed up to the gilcrease but that was an indian crowd well, that's what i'll say it's a crowd too probably i mean like you know you got different sets of, of points of views and then if shit's fucked up where you're not seeing the video and all that shit the show that they killed at was in the gilcrease museum theater mm-hmm. That was an intimate space. They knew everybody there. They were able to roast Wilson Pipe Stem and able to roast our dear beloved Shan Gosshorn. Oh, they roasted her and it was amazing. And she loved it. And I loved it. And I love her. I miss her. Then in that that other, the Guthrie Green space, it's just like a stadium. It's like an outdoor amphitheater and their videos weren't working. And it was, they bombed and it was so, it was very painful to watch. Cause I know that they're funny, you know, but yeah, you're right. But anyway, that's, that's his love of the, that jambalaya song. Do we have any other thoughts? Cause we're going to come up on an hour here pretty soon. I, I want to close off with, um, is we have these themes of dear ladies teaching the young, the young big, and she's just saying, do good, you know, and you won't ever have to see me again. I feel like that that reminds me of a lot of teachings of our elders, especially those who are bilingual. Just tell us from the simplest of terms, you know, just do good. That's basically I know it's it's vague, but I find that to be kind of common in like bilingual communities where they where they they don't go into specifics about what you should and shouldn't do. It's just, you know, do good, do right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to leave off with with that. The fact that I, I'm still like giggling that come and get your love is like it's big teaching this to to cheese you know he's trying to teach him about community about those values trying to discern between who's doing good and who's not and that's why he doesn't arrest wes's character and because how many of us have a cousin or a relative like that who there really are harmless they just they do weird oddball oddball maybe stupid things sometimes but you know, they ultimately they don't they definitely don't deserve to be in jail or in, or they don't deserve to be arrested or taking up space in a prison or anything like that. Yeah. And also, uh, sorry to interrupt, but the, with okay. West Duty's character, Bucky, right? Bucky. Bucky. With Bucky, he is doing good because he's protecting the town because mm-hmm. he's laying out all these like figures out to, to protect everybody. So maybe that's what Big's thinking of is like, 
well, you know, I can't arrest him because he is kind of the town protector. He's not really doing really bad. He's just, he's stealing, but it's stealing for the good of the community. And I like how Bucky clarifies it too. Like, it's okay that he stole that copper because he just stole it off some meth heads. (laughs) 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 Meth And the meth is destroying our community. So I like how we have this, who is doing the good, the bad guys, the meth heads who didn't get caught or the good guy who did get caught. (laughs) Well, I I think, what is this episode? The third, no, fifth. So this is another example of people that, are teaching these young kids about what community means you know uncle brownie was really teaching DeFaro's character about you know he's he was about defending himself but it was more than that last episode how not to be a dad learning how to do that and and his mom teaching him how to find your space and now we've got big teaching cheese how to be happy where you are and how to care for the people in your community. So the next episode should be interesting. Yeah. You guys are so funny. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you guys haven't seen it yet. Makes it supposed to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you hadn't seen it. I haven't. That's why it's, that's why it's so hilarious. Because you guys are so nice to not tell me what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh the next next episode just wrecked me i'm just i'm gonna be honest all right i'll be prepared for it just do good tully any any extra thoughts on that angela can we just like get um like a bat signal for dear woman well i got my two dear ladies right here surrounding me so <laughs> <laughs> that's right we're rocking our antlers yeah. on, our, on our zoom call here it's funny that come and get your love is the episode and like i said that sterling claimed that that's the song he doesn't like <laughs> and that it, but it was something he wanted to put in a movie and so you got to put it here yeah and I, I think just talking about dear lady was like one of the things I wanted to talk about because that was like how these things are real to us and so mm. you know and so like it's not just like you know like a, a magical realism as the kids call it you know but it's this is just realism for us you know and a lot of times like our native stories fall into you know this this label of magical realism where in reality it's just everyday things for us it's just there are things that we experience or people we know have experienced these things and we never like question it or, or you know try to say oh it's bullshit we say oh cool okay oh really and so we just and then we tell the stories that we hear and then it just continues on and so I think that's that's really great and I think you know like Angela said was where it we don't really need to know the backstory of Dear Woman. All of us know who know do know. And if anyone else needs to know, they can look it up. Because in reality, this is Pig's story and his becoming the light horseman and it's his secret origin, right? The other thing too is like, you know, at the end, we get to see that famous performance of Midnight Special, right? Of, of Come and Get yes. Your Love. <laughs> and, so, and so just for that alone, it's a great episode. So... <laughs> Like, I don't remember when I first saw that, but I I was a kid when I saw it. And I don't know how or when or where, because I don't even remember that being a show or anything. And I don't even oh, know when it, it came out. It was a out. big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe I saw it in reruns or something or mm-hmm. something. But that, like, I, you know, I, I looked it up on YouTube, you know, like as, I, as YouTube became a thing. And so, you know, you see, and I'm like, oh, I remember this happening. I, and I remember being a kid seeing it. I just don't know where, when, or how, or what. 
in uh, have you seen it before Candace? No, I had Oh, you have to find it. Find it because amazing. the beginning is badass. It is amazing. It. Okay. Yeah, the the very beginning of it. it, it Cuz right now they're just showing the performance of the song, but there's some cool shit that they do. Yeah, you got to find the like extended version from Midnight Special. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, somewhere yeah. On YouTube. All right, I'll find it. Because so do you remember uh, when you saw that, Angela? We used to watch Midnight Special growing up. Okay. You know, I'm sure my dad hollered at me to run into the den and mm-hmm. come watch it because that was unheard of. Yeah. I mean, the, the closest we had was the Sonny and Cher show when Cher would show up like all, <laughs> all decked out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. But at the time, we thought it was just the coolest thing ever because here's like she just looks so glamorous and beautiful, and she was native. And then you know, and then this episode of Midnight Special showed up, and you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. What? That's amazing. It's a classic. Now if we could just a- learn a- the words, a- yeah. <laughs> a traditional Indian. It's, it's now a traditional Indian song. Yeah, yeah, four nine song. <laughs> all right that's all i had to say i mean i have like one little just from previously being on a psa with um west duty he was shooting up in visai and we were doing h i think h1n1 prevention so we were up at some retirement home and he was doing like this whole psa he did it all in english and then he did it all in cherokee and he was the most professional i mean of course we were all just watching him work and when we finally wrapped he took the time to say hello to everybody on set everybody in the nursing home he signed autographs he took pictures i mean he had to have been exhausted but he was just the nicest person on set I mean, so much respect for what he was doing for the community and what he was doing just there for everybody that was there. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We are we are Real Indigenous, and my name is Candice, and I was here with my co-host today with my sister. Angela. And my uncle. Tell her. Yeah. Hey. hey. <laughs> uncle T. Uncle T. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you better behave, Tully. <laughs> How do you sign off, Tully? We'll see you next bat time, bat place. Same deer time, same deer place. Yes. I guess. Same deer time, same deer place. Yeah. Y'all be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>